Good morning and welcome to Shouts of Grace. This morning we are continuing our study in the book of Philippians. And of course we're continuing in chapter 2 today. It has been an exciting and exciting study so far. And I've really, really enjoyed it. In fact, I couldn't believe when I came to my notes and I looked and I saw that we are already at number 11 on Philippians. I mean, that that is that, that is almost mind-boggling that we are this far into the book of Philippians. And well, not that we're this far into it, because really we're not that far into it. We're uh, still in chapter two. But in looking at that, we're already at number 11. I mean, that is just incredible to stop and to think about that and to see uh, how much and how impactful the Word of God really is. But I do want to just remind you the purpose of Shouts of Grace really quick before we get into our scripture reading. Shouts of Grace, the goal is, uh, well, it's pulled from the idea of Zerubbabel, how God told Zerubbabel that he would complete the work that he began with a shout of grace, which of course, that work was going and completing the temple. And I believe that God has a purpose for each and every one of you who are listening today. In fact, I believe he has a purpose and a calling for everyone. And we wa- I want to see you complete and fulfill that purpose that God has given you, but that requires, just as it did with Zerubbabel, a shout of grace. You're not going to be able to do it on your own. You're not going to be able to do it with your own gifts and your own abilities and your own talents. You're only going to be able to do it when you connect yourself to the grace of God. And of course, that means connecting to the Word of God. And so my hope and my goal is that through this podcast, you'll be connected to the Word of God with a a, a short devotional on basically a daily basis here. We take some breaks every now and then between series and different things like that. But I do want to make sure it's clear that this is not to be a, a church service, certainly, and it's certainly not to be your daily devotions either. It, it should be a help to your daily devotions. It should be a supplement alongside, but it certainly should not be the main course either of your week or of your day, but rather it should be a side dish, so to say, in your spiritual meal. But let's get into Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 1. It says, Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interest of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross." Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on the earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. 
Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and a perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights of the, in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain nor labored in vain, yes, and if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. For the same reason, you also be glad and rejoice with me. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. For I have none, no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus, but you know his proven character, that he is a son, uh, as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. Therefore, I hope to send him at once, as soon as I see how it goes with me. But I trust that the Lord, I trust in the Lord, that I myself shall come to you shortly. Yet, I considered it necessary to send Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, but your messenger and the one who ministered to my need, since he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. For indeed he was sick, almost unto death. But God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but on, on me also, lest I should have had sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore I sent him the more eagerly, that when you see him again, you may rejoice, and that I may be less sorrowful. Receive him, therefore, in the Lord with all gladness, and hold such men in esteem, because for the work of Christ he came close to death, not regarding his life, to supply what was lacking in your service toward me. Now, the last couple days, we've gone and we've looked at verses 5 through 8, and of course, the theme of that is, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And we saw that, first of all, Christ had an accurate view of himself. That, that was the first thing, and so therefore, the mindset that we need to have is an accurate view of ourselves as well. But then we also see that he came with the mindset of being a servant, humbling himself, and becoming obedient uh, to the ultimate point, to the point of death, even the death of the cross, and how we are to go and to be servants, have humility in our life, but then also become obedient ultimately to a point of even death and going and looking at that, of going in and in, in being obedient no matter what the circumstances are. But today, we're going to be focusing in on verses 9 through 11, which are the verses immediately following that. So keep this in mind that the Apostle Paul just gets done writing to the Philippians that Christ, the mindset that he had was that of an accurate view of himself. He, he was a servant, and he humbled himself, and he became obedient even to the point of death. So we're talking about submission. We're talking about humility. We're talking about servanthood. We're, we're talking about an accurate view of himself. And then he comes to verse 9, and he says this, Therefore God has highly exalted him, Christ, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on the earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And I want us to see, first of all, that Christ has an exceedingly high position. That, that is, his position is highly exalted. It is above everyone else's position. You need to get Jesus right. 
That's the most important thing in life, is that you get Jesus right. But getting Jesus right isn't just merely going and saying the sinner's prayer. That's what most people go and think of, is that it's just, hey, I said this prayer. Well, that's that's not getting Jesus right. That's that's just saying a a, a magical incantation is what people think. And all of a sudden here that gets them out of hell free, and they're really viewing themselves as highly exalted, especially now because they found favor in the sight of God, that they have found grace in the sight of God. So, man, they must be highly exalted, which, of course, that's silly because God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. See, getting Jesus right is to realize that he is highly exalted. He is above all else. He is God. That is so, so vital and so important. You know, I'll never forget one time going and doing a Bible study uh, with, with a man several, several, actually several months. Uh, for several months, we do a Bible study once a week, and we're going through all this, and, and we, we would go out kayaking too once in a while. We'd go to coffee shops, kayaking, all this kind of stuff. And I remember uh, being out kayaking, and we were just talking—I um, think this was just before we went and did our Bible study. I think we kayaked first th- this evening. But but we were talking, and he was kind of rehashing just some of the stuff that we talked about. And this was somebody who had said that magical incantation of the sinner's prayer when he was a kid, went forward, you know, at church. Uh, but nobody really took time to to show him, to really bring him to Jesus. They were concerned about him saying a prayer. And of course, it's it's not the prayer that saves anybody. It's the faith and repentance that saves people. Uh, it's for by grace are you saved through faith, not not through the the sinner's prayer. Now, the sinner's prayer very very well could be part of your salvation testimony. I'm not trying to devalue that. I'm trying to say when people go and and they put this 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 prayer, he said the right words. In fact, I remember uh, talking. To, to somebody who was there when this guy was a little boy and went forward and, and everything like that. And, and, and he told me, he said, no, that's when he got saved. Well, here I was in, in, a, in a kayak with him after doing Bible studies for weeks, kind of realizing he didn't really get it about Jesus, but was constantly showing him who Jesus was through Scripture. And he's telling me, and he goes, you know, so... Is Jesus God? And of course, yes, Jesus is God. And I told him, yes, Jesus is God. He goes, okay, that's that's what I was thinking. That's that's what I what what I just realized. You know, Jesus actually is God. He's not just just like the Son of God, like Hercules. Like he's actually God. Yes, yes, he is. He is God. And it was at that moment that you could see the light went on, and the light that went on was the light of the world. It wasn't an intellectual act. It was a moral change in this man's life as he started repenting from his sin, and it became uh, evident in his life. In fact, I remember doing a Bible study with him, and, and he's looking at me and and, and kind of looking at me weird, and I'm, I'm going, uh, why is this guy looking at me kind of weird? And he goes, did you notice? Did you notice? And I'm going, I, I didn't notice. I'm, I'm not super attentive to these kind of things. You, you know, and, and he goes, he goes, I, I, I took my earrings out. You know, I, I took my earrings out. 
and and he goes pretty soon. Then he starts telling me uh, about a month later how he's he, he's quit smoking. And I never brought up smoking. I never brought up earrings. I never brought up any of these things. We just were going through the Bible. The Holy Spirit was convicting him, and he was repenting because he saw Jesus as highly exalted in his life, and he wanted to bow before Jesus. He wanted to please Jesus because he had the right view of who Jesus is. Man, that's exciting. Man, that's awesome to go and to see. And he realized that God has given Jesus a name that is above every other name. Jesus is a name of authority. And I, we could talk for hours and hours and hours about this verse, how Jesus, he is a name that is above every other name. His name is authority. It is over all things. Man, there's a lot of places we could go with that. But, but I just want to make sure that we understand that because I want to get to something else here in this passage this morning. And that is, in verse 10, it says that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven, those on the earth, and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. See, the first thing I wanted us to see here this morning is that Jesus is highly exalted. He is a position of highly exalted. But then the second thing, which is much like to it, or really the result of this, the second thing I want us to see here this morning is the inevitability of people confessing Jesus Christ as Lord and bowing to him. You see, it says that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, and of course, this will all be to the glory of God the Father. But I want you to notice something. It'll be those in heaven, it'll be those on the earth, and it'll be those under the earth. Those in heaven, the angels and those who have already passed away, who are with God, guess what? They're going to bow their knees, and they're going to confess their, with their mouth and say, Jesus is Lord. Those on the earth, those—now now this is specifically uh, referring eventually to, to one day after Jesus Christ comes back, and, and he, he you know, we've got the, the rapture that happens, we've got the tribulation that happens, we've got all this kind of stuff that happens, and we've got the thousand-year reign, but there is one day that those who are on the earth in that reign— will go and they will bow their knees and they will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But then notice the third place, those under the earth. See, the greatest, most ardent atheist who hates God with all of his passion, with all of his might, the inevitability is that he will bow his knee and he will confess with his mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, but it's going to be too late for him. Because it's going to be when he's under the earth, when he's in heaven, or excuse me, when he's in hell, not in heaven, when he's not in heaven, when he's in hell. See, those in hell are even going to admit that Jesus is Lord. They're going to admit it. They are going to bow their knee, but it's going to be too late. They, their fate will have been sealed. Their chances will have been done, and their just punishment will happen. Now, this will all be to the glory of God the Father. Now, it's not because they're in hell, but it's because they're admitting 
that even in their wrong choice, even in their rejection, even in their turning away, even in that wrong use of their free moral agency, they are one day going to be convinced that Jesus Christ is Lord, but it's going to be too late. It's going to be too late. And it's not the lateness. It's not that, that, that fact that they're burning in hell because God didn't create hell for mankind. He didn't create it. He created it for, for Satan and, and in his kind, for a punishment for them. God didn't want mankind, anyone. any. He didn't really want Satan either to go to hell, but he, he really didn't want mankind to go there. That wasn't his original intent for mankind. He, he's not some sadist who goes around and is, is happy that, that he's able to go and to, to, to throw people into hell. Some people believe that. It's, it's weird. It's wrong. But he certainly will be glorified when everyone goes and says, oh my goodness, even though I was wrong and I wasted my life and I missed my chance, he is Lord. See, when you realize that Jesus Christ is highly exalted, he is a name that's above every other name, you are going to want to bow before that name. You're going to want to submit to that name. You're going to want to follow Jesus. And the second thing is, is when you realize that the inevitability is that everyone will bow their knee and they will confess with their mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father, it's going to drive you to want to share the gospel with them even more because the thing is, is that you want them to say it in heaven or on the earth. You certainly don't want them to say it in hell. And the reality of it is, is that if they are going to say in hell, that means they can be convinced they can be convinced. There's hope they're going to be convinced one day. So why don't you convince them now? Why don't you convince them here and make sure that you yourself are convinced that his name is higher than your name, that he is a position that is higher than yours and bow before Jesus Christ today. Well, thank you for listening. And remember Joshua 1, 8, 9 as we depart today. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. There's nothing we can't overcome So that war you've been fighting Will end in God's timing Sing like the battle's been won Then you feel it The song that is rising Then you can't help but let it out If you're trusting in faith